0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones, where it's not so much about how to live your best life, but how to show up and live your life. Thanks for joining. Welcome to episode 23, Lifeboats, part one. Another episode of Jeremy Jones. That's exciting. I'm excited. Let's start this one with a story. And while we're at it, we'll make it a true story about me and my friend. And if I can thread the needle, we'll be able to work in something about lifeboats at some point. During a particularly confusing and stressful moment, I rang up a trusted friend for a walk and talk. I needed some extra eyeballs on my blind spots. I was floundering and feeling stressed. Here we are, two friends walking a trail in nature, two friends on a journey together. I was battling a roller coaster of emotions, leaving me a bit nauseous. It was a Baskin-Robbins emotions moment for me. Have you ever had that? See, I had 31 flavors, 31 scoops of ice cream. Each of them seemed like the best choice, the most important, the best flavor, the right one to listen to. So I scooped up one of each. And before long, the scoops were melting and running together in a giant mess. This particular friend is quick with unfiltered, organic, reflexive thought. Translation? He'll throw a sa- a handful of sand in your eyes if you need it, yet he's slow on judgment and despair, and answers your call 24-7, a fact I tested firsthand. I had been wrestling around with some big macro direction in my life. We all have these phases, don't we? Maybe it's just me. These phases where it feels like the world is this blue marble rolling around in your hand and... We can roll it high or low, left, right. It's so easy. The world in the palm of our hand, just following our every whim. And then there's these other moments where something something unexpected comes along, bumps right into you, and then the marble goes flying. Then it's more like, oh boy, I think, I think I've lost my marbles. <laughs> All right, so we are kicking rocks down the trail walking along, and I laid out my emotional smorgasbord, real honest-to-goodness, tear-jerker feelings about how I had been living away from extended family for over a decade, living away from friends who became family that I've known for years. I was sort of getting itchy and lonely. Loneliness is a tough one. Unlike, say, visible sickness or poverty, loneliness is often submerged down in the deep cold water. Unseen. It can feel like a subtle glacier scraping across the body of a ship. Then, start taking on water. A little at first, then a little more. Dude! I told him, I I complained that my tribe here was finite. There's not enough people supporting my family, supporting my kids. So I was going to move back to the state where I had deep roots, possibly a lot of support. But then, look at this flavor, this one over here, this one looks fun. I was also contemplating moving to an entirely new state altogether. One with low taxes and big yards and all of them with pools and tennis courts and pina coladas and palm trees, houses with extra garages and square footage to stuff my life with more space, so I could therefore buy more stuff. Buy more Sneeds. Lorax, right? This America. I thought I wanted that ice cream flavor, but then I switched, right? Sleight of hand. Ooh, No, actually, new flavor. I just love it here in this state. I love this state. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to not move at all. And that's what feels right. I've built a life here. Hmm? He turned to me raising an eyebrow. No, actually, not that one either, I said. In fact, I'm... I am going to move back to the old state with the roots and the family, the good friends. Maybe that was the right place to live. <sighs> ugh, ugh, I felt so confused, lost. He tried to cut in my story a few times. Please. The nerve, right? I had a lot to say. Now I wanted to cement the severity of my struggle, make sure he understood. The drama I'd been living in. Listen, over a decade, raising a family out on my own. No help, no grandma's house, no Rolodex of babysitters, no big Thanksgivings, no unexpected drop-ins from, from family on a weekend. No game nights with Uncle Jones. Then I dug the scooper hard in the ice cream flavor barrel. and Here's the kicker. Here's the real kicker. My boys are crushing their hobbies. They're they're playing life like all-stars. They're scoring goals on the soccer field and thriving on competitive teams and basketball and piano recitals. And on I went. And and guess who's there? Guess who sees it? (laughs) Yeah, Nobody. Nobody. That's who. That's who. Season after season, recital after recital, just their parents. Who love them to pieces, by the way. By now, we're a few miles into the walk. I kept stiff-arming his attempts to get into the conversation, anchored to my struggle. What a fantastic, glorious, awful struggle I was in. The drama, the neglect, the abandonment, the confusion. I, I really thought I drew it up nicely, and that here'd come my friend, my good friend to the rescue who I've known for 35 years. Sometimes we were close, sometimes we drifted apart, but 35 years nonetheless, here I am just waiting for some kind of relief, some some big ice cream cone of empathy to hold all my flavors. Yeah. Yeah, he'd help me figure out how to sort out these 31 flavors that melted together. Maybe it would be a big bear hug. Maybe some sage zen empathy. Maybe, Maybe grant me permission to move back or stay here. Some mantra I could repeat until the ice cream could freeze up a bit and I could and separate out the flavors. Instead, though, (laughs) hmm, this is what I heard. You mother effer. I looked up. (laughs) Some jogger must have bumped into him on our trail, but no, it was just me and him. The trees, the jogger... There was no jogger, just the trees, the river, and of course, my messy ice cream all over, and my plea for some friendly help. I looked at him and squinted, patiently granting him permission to retract, start again, again, please, this time like a gentleman. Nope. That's right, he nodded up and down. Oh, please. You're so full of it, aren't you? I I then looked like that emoji with the round eyes and the round mouth. You know. This here was going to be a much longer walk than I planned, and one that I'd always remember. Hmm. RMS Titanic. maiden voyage. Only voyage. Let's step back to 1912. Let's dive in, okay? Over the next few episodes, I'm going to be boarding on and off the Titanic. And I preface all of the following with the realization that this is a real tragedy where real people got hurt. And also, I'm not, you know... Shame shipping the Titanic, nor nor any of the crew or the designers. It was a real crisis. And for me personally, it would be an even bigger crisis if I did not learn from it. If I didn't try to write up a, a more perfect union, draft a better constitution for my own ship's route. The idea in these following episodes is to honor those involved by scooping up some lessons. Oh, there's so many interesting happenings with the Titanic, isn't there? So many perspectives, takeaways, storylines, and did-you-knows. But how about this? How about we just focus on the lifeboats? RMS Titanic had capacity for 3,300 passengers, but on that voyage, it only carried... 2435 total passengers. Now, the lifeboat capacity was 1178. So so we know this is not going to end well. But but it could have gone better. Glaringly obvious, right, is the fact that like they didn't have enough boats. We all see that. We all see that. But interestingly, of the one thousand one hundred seventy-eight lifeboat capacity. Only seven hundred and five passengers made it on the lifeboats. See, if they would have used the lifeboats perfectly, best-case scenario, you know, they still could have only evacuated about half the ship. I mean, instead, they they only saved twenty-nine percent of the passengers. It could have gone better, not perfect, but a more perfect union, maybe. The available lifeboats were only 60% full, a few of them empty, drifting without any passengers at all. The ship had 16 lifeboats plus 4 collapsible rescue boats, for a total of 20 lifeboats. Now, the shortage of lifeboats was not due to the lack of space, because the Titanic had actually been designed to accommodate up to 64 lifeboats. That's over three times the amount. And nor was it because of the cost. as the price of an extra 32 lifeboats would have only been16, thousand dollars and that's a tiny fraction of the 7.5 million that the company spent on the Titanic. Uh, for fun, in today's dollars, that would be an extra four forty thousand dollars out of the $206 million it costs to build a Titanic. So easy math says that's two-tenths of a percent. Small things have a big impact. We're going to do an episode about that. And like Martin Luther King JR said, if you can't do great things, well, do small things in a great way. Do the extra two-tenths of a percent on the lifeboats, right? The extra two-tenths of of a percent on your exercise plan with your customer, right? In your relationships. Now, before blaming the Titanic for the lack of boats, we should know, it actually had more lifeboats than the law required. The main lifeboat oversight lay in the combination of combination of an outdated maritime safety regulation and the complacency by White Star Line, which owned the fleet. The prevailing thought process on the rescue was this. All right, listen, if the Titanic ever does sink, which is practically unsinkable, right? It's unsink. Well, if it were to sink, though, okay, worst case scenario, it has divided um, compartments down in the hull. We could partition those off, contain the leak, and then we could call for a rescue ship and we'd have plenty of time to offload passengers to other ships and if there was a problem like that was evacuation plan A contain the leak offload passengers to nearby ship and plan B you know we have some lifeboats for backup the lifeboats were designed to be very sturdy okay these were seaworthy lifeboats the company that made them was called harland and wolf the rudders were sturdy made of resistant elm wood the exteriors of the lifeboats, they had grab lines for passengers to hold on to. They, they even had an anchor, 10 oars, a tow rope, uh, emergency equipment, even a mast and a cell, gallons of fresh water, a compass. The boats were double-ended designed with two bows for maximum stability. Uh, I mean, if you had to use a lifeboat, this is best in class. Let's walk through the timeline a little bit. So the morning of the sinking, the lifeboat drill they had scheduled is canceled. At 5:50 p.m., an iceberg warning is given, but RMS Titanic only slightly changes its direction, and the ship's speed remains the same. Interesting anecdote from earlier episodes about it's it's not just the speed that we're interested in, okay. It's the speed plus direction. It's the velocity. Get the direction right first, and then we can always adjust the speed. Anyway, the Masaba ship is, then sends a warning to the Titanic, it was nearby, about an ice field. It includes a heavy pack of ice with a great number of large icebergs. Wireless operator Jack Phillips, who works for the Marconi Company, He's handling passengers' messages, and he actually never passes the warning on to the Titanic's bridge. Also, a small thing, right? Just passing on a message, but uh, big impact. Another small thing: someone misplaced the binoculars in the crow's nest from the lookout tower when they were scoop, you know, scouting out the glaciers. So they're just going off of eyesight. Small thing, big impact. And, 11.40 p.m., the Titanic strikes the iceberg. I said 11.40 p.m. You're dialed in, right? You're here with me? Good. The first lifeboat is not lowered into the water until 12.45 a.m., over an hour later. Hey, uh, we're taking on some water. (laughs) Please water. I I got this, right? Just, just a little water. <clears throat> because of the false security that the haphazard hampered decision-making soon followed. The famous Margaret Brown survivor. She later described the scene in an interview with the New York Times. The whole thing was so formal that it was difficult for anyone to realize it was a tragedy. Men and women stood in little groups and talked Some laughed as the boats went over the side. All the time, the band was playing. I can see the men up on deck, tucking in women and smiling. It was a strange night. It all seemed like a play, like a dream that was being executed for entertainment. It did not seem real. Men would say, after you, and they made some woman comfortable and stepped back few passengers at first were even willing to board the lifeboats and the officers in charge of the evacuation found it difficult to persuade them millionaire no scrubby johnny from third class but a seasoned millionaire john jacob astor declared we are safer here than in that little boat some passengers refused flatly to embark now, J. Bruce Ismay, he's the director of the, the uh, White Star Cruise Line, a businessman on board, he realized the urgency of the situation. He roamed the starboard boat deck, urging passengers and crew to board the boats. Just a trickle of women, couples, and single men were persuaded to board starboard lifeboat number seven, which became the first lifeboat to be lowered. Most of those on the deck were unaware of the seriousness of their situation, and did not even attempt to board. There also was hardly any training on the boats. New ship, new boats, new crew. There was only one lifeboat drill that had been carried out, and that was while the ship was docked. No lifeboat or fire drills had been carried out since the Titanic disembarked from Southampton. A lifeboat drill, like we said, had been scheduled for that morning, but it was canceled. I mean we sort of scoff at the lack of lifeboats, right? But remember, it was they were well within re- regulation. They they were above the law. See, it's just interesting, you know, who who are we listening to? Are we just automatically believing in what a perceived authority says or what a subculture says? Or are we dialed in to what we think could be right? The collapsible boats, they were stored in two places, and two of them were stowed on the deck in their collapsed state underneath the cutters, while the remaining two were situated on top of the officer's quarters. By the time this was realized, the bow was already well underwater, and the store was inaccessible. So the collapsible boats were manhandled down, but unfortunately they got away. They floated freely away as the deck flooded. And I tried to imagine if I was in the water, if my family was there, like what what would it be like to watch the rescue boats float away, empty and aimless under the the unforgiving cold starlight? Thomas Bonsell, a historian of the disaster, has commented that the evacuation was so badly organized that even if they had the number of lifeboats they needed, it's impossible to see how they could have launched them given the lack of training, the lack of know-how, the lack of execution, the poor leadership. Indeed, they didn't even launch. They didn't even launch all the boats they did have. Think about that for a while. Mm. Think about think about how we keep wishing we had some more in our lives, right? Some more love, some more money, you know, some more opportunity, some more big breaks, but just, uh, just had a little more. But are we even filling and leveraging the ones that we already have? Hmm. All right. I took a drink while you were thinking about that. Now, there were two officers on either side that were in charge of the lifeboats. Now, neither officer knew how many people could be safely carried in the boats as they were lowered. And so they erred on the side of caution, not filling them up all the way, right? They were thinking if they filled them up all the way, maybe they would split and cause an even bigger disaster. But... Ah, if they knew better, if they had been trained, if they knew better, they would have done better. Hey, that's why I do my podcast, right? So I can learn and see my blind spots. Like what what don't I know? Because if you change your perspective, you change your thought. If you change your thoughts, you change your actions. You change your actions, you change your life. Yeah, in reality they could have been lowered quite safely. They were designed to be lowered with the full complement of 68 people plus all the gear, especially because they were in highly favorable weather. There was very calm sea conditions, hardly any wind. Had this been done, had they filled all the boats, used what they had, an additional 500 people or 40% more could have been saved. Instead, hundreds of people, predominantly men, were left on board as lifeboats were launched with many seats vacant. If the Titanic had hit the iceberg head on, it is believed that it would have had minimal damage and loss. Ah, so if you are in a patch of icebergs, if you're going to hit an iceberg, do it head on. Remember, don't fake it to make it. Face it. Oh, face the big worries, the self-doubt. Face the big dreams you have that you're nervous to share with people. Face your insecurities. Sure, the external circumstance, right? The Brand new, $8 million ship, no wind, calm sea. It all looked easy. Maybe even peasy. But what's under the water that others can't see? when you have these visitors coming to your invisible house when the panic traveler knocks on your door his hair's all spoofed out he's shaky his eyes are bloodshot and purple and he's panicking saying that you're going to hit an iceberg and uh what happens if you do like ah uh, or or maybe you just did hit the iceberg and then he's knocking on the door like now what do we do we allow panic into our house. Oh, hey, come on in, panic. I have love for you. I want to hear what you have to say. It's important. Come in here. It's safe here. If your issues are keeping you up at night, tossing or turning and distracting you when you're in the middle of a conversation, it's hard to think straight, that might be the telegram that says, hey, you have some icebergs under the dark water around you. Be, maybe take the minimal damage, albeit confusing and uncomfortable, sometimes embarrassing. Take the berg head on. A whole hour goes by before they even drop the first boat. See, they're, they're faking it to make it instead of facing it. Hey, listen, we need to get these boats in the water pronto, just in case. Like, just in case. That's what we should be saying. Instead of, oh, yeah, I got this. It's cool. Yeah, we got lifeboats. You know, we need to be doing the drills, be trained. Even if we don't use the lifeboats, we're trained, they're available, ready to go 24-7. Yeah, if it comes to that, we'll be ready. Hopefully it doesn't. But if it does, we got the lifeboats. I love the good attitude on the Titanic, right? Oh, shucks. Shoot, yeah, we're safer in this high-class sinking boat than that little humdinger seaworthy lifeboat down there. Besides, the water's cold. And I'm not mocking. Like, I've done, I do the same thing. I, I just do it in other circumstances. It may have not been on the deck of the Titanic, but gut check. Is that what I would have done had I been there? I'm not saying that every ship that I set sail needs to be panicked and lowering lifeboats or over-anxious, or, you know, that you should sleep in your bunk with a life jacket on. But I just need to make sure that I have my seaworthy lifeboats ready, trained. Make sure I have enough to cover the need. Instead of wishing that it were easier, I can be wishing I'm stronger, wishing I'm prepared. Can we can we go back to the beginning of the episode? About my friend. You remember, right? He said... He said I was so full of it. Well, let's finish the story. My face was numb. Pell. Why was he talking to me like that? I'm being vulnerable. I'm opening up. Dude, he says. We've been living, not next door, but reasonably close for, what, five years? Yeah, I agree, scratching the back of my neck. He elbows me, and I'm forced to look at him. In all this time, Jones, not once, not one time, have you texted or called or invited me to any of your kids' stuff, not once. And hearing that you're struggling like this, and you didn't even reach out to me? You haven't invited me, and it's something that you've been stewing on, and obviously it's bothering you. I was taking on water. He says, "You know, I think the bigger question is not where to move. You'll find that answer, and I'll support you either way. But the bigger question at play here is why you have me. You're homie. No, you're in need. And you never reached out. And now you're moving. Now you're moving and it's too late for me to be there for you. I'm sorry, but I have a hard time. It's hard for me to join your pity party here. When all you had to do was send me a quick text. Hey, here's the address. Here's the time. Make it if you can. Shoot me direct. right? Communicate what you need head on. I'll communicate back head on if I can make it. Maybe I can't, right? Then we keep figuring out, you know, figure out the logistics, maybe the next time. But we communicate head on. I wanted to elbow him and tell him he was full of it. But he was square on, head on. You still with me? You still in our two-way invisible world? Good. I am. I'm, I'm here to make my invisible world visible, whether it's on the podcast or offline. Right? So, anyways, now, my buddy, he is a what? Click. He's a Harland and Wolf double bow seaworthy lifeboat, huh? Yeah. And now you see how I did the same thing as the Titanic passengers. My submerged loneliness, I didn't face it head on. I did some maneuvering, kept my speed pretty much the same, closed off some compartments when the water came on. We call that compartmentalizing things. Did some justification, some minimizing. You know, That, that gash subtly shredded the side of my hole underwater. Even... And even as I was taking on the paralyzing cold water, I thought, ah, I got time. I mean, yeah, that's not ideal, but I got this. I totally got this on my own and I'm safer up here on first class, getting seconds on pecan pie, listening to the orchestra play, safer and warmer than being on that lifeboat getting wet and cold out there. I mean, but besides... um." Besides, I have an important image that I need to uphold. And I'd look straight goofy, embarrassed. I mean, I, I got a reputation, people. Me, you know, out there on a lifeboat when I'm in a tux. And I'm on the newest, best ship on the water. Please. You're so full of it. Remember, they didn't lower the boats for more than an hour after the hit. By then, it got serious, too serious, you know, nasty, nasty panic, lifeboats barely dropping into the water. The crew, they only did one lifeboat training session. They're trying to figure out the best they can how to lower them. One side heard heard that they should only evacuate women and children, and the other side heard that women and children should be evacuated first, only versus first, right? then men, if you have time. So there was confusion. You know? I end my episode saying you must bet on yourself. I thought that meant. I thought that meant you strolled the deck of the ship's bow, straightening your bow tie, holding stemware, smiling, and thinking positive, confident, strong mantras. Now I see the Titanic is magnificent, and we are, you are, I am, right? aren't we? But the ballroom, the smiles, the confidence, the orchestra, it's just one part of the ship. One part of the big invisible house. Yeah. Do me a quick exercise. This will really bring you home. Pull up a picture on your screen of the Titanic. The queen of the sea at the time. Every picture of the Titanic. Every single one. A photo, artistic rendition. Every one. Look at the ship. And you'll also see the lifeboats pinned in place by the ropes. See, with all its grandeur, glory, and sophistication, strength, another part of the ship is the lifeboats. They come together. These great seaworthy rescue lifeboats I have tied and roped all around me. When I'm tired, confused, worried, excited, fearful, like I can be reminded of lifeboats all around me. And the tragedy is not hitting the iceberg and taking on water. I mean... Darn it, that happens sometimes. I've accepted that. It happens to the best of them, even the Titanic. Even if they would have had more lifeboats, right? Take away. Take this away. Take this away. Don't forget. Even if they would have had more lifeboats, would it have made a difference? They didn't even use all the ones they already had. They didn't even lower the first one until panic was raging. Come on, nobody thinks straight in a panic. I for sure don't. So, Jones, so my invisible friends who are listening, we must be well-trained, aware of our lifeboats, get them into position, just in case. And now that I'm moving, I think about the tragedy that I never invited my buddy to my kids' stuff. They missed out on a lifeboat, too. I could have made it to more of his stuff, right? Not everything, right? We're both busy. It's not perfect, but it could have been much better, Could have done better. Could have done more with what I already had. I had the power the whole time. I just didn't realize it. In a way, it was a crisis of a ship. A friendship. So, I'm not going to waste a good crisis. Okay. I'm I'm leaving now. I'm going to go off and work on the next episode, as well as pack some boxes. And while I'm going, can you make this whole exchange worthwhile? Be thinking, be thinking, what are lifeboats that you already have that you are not even using? Are you taking on water somewhere in your life? You got your pen ready? Click, click. If you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack, If you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. Yes, I'll repeat that. It's a great quote. If you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack. If you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. Maybe there's still time. Time to hit something head-on, take some minimal damage, face it to make it, or time to slow down to change directions, slow down if you're near the icebergs. There's no hurry. There's times to go fast and open up the engine, and there's also times to go slow and be cautious. There's a season for everything. Double-check the lifeboats. Get an extra pair of eyes on the blind spots. I believe the most vulnerable people are the strongest amongst us. They're speaking truth. Oh, and the truth sets us free. Truth is, every ship, no matter its majesty, needs lifeboats. They come, they're required to come with lifeboats. Yet sometimes we keep looking for something else, a bigger, better ship. And instead of having more, more friends, more love, more money, more ideas, more business, more family, how can you use more of what's already? around you. Let's make a clean turn to fresh open waters with your lifeboats ready because, say it with me, because the world needs who you were meant to be. I believe that. And I'll be back soon. Lifeboats 2 is coming at you.